This is the Robert Lewis Sermons Podcast, a collection of sermons from Dr. Lewis's time as a teaching pastor at Fellowship Bible Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. The following message is one of Robert's original messages to men on manhood, found here under the series heading, Authentic Manhood. We hope you grow in your faith and love Jesus more as you learn through these teachings. You know, many years ago, uh, when my uh, four children were a lot younger, we used to take what was our annual summer vacation to Florida. Maybe you've done that if you've got kids where you'd pack them up in the van and off you'd go. And every summer we would go through this little ritual and we would start pretty much the same way. And that was as a young dad, I would get up as early as I could in the morning and I would pull them out of bed when they were still sleeping and I would take them and I'd strap them in the van where they would immediately go back to sleep. And then I would race off into the dark in my van, trying to get as many miles behind me as I possibly could before they woke up. Because <laughs> I knew when they did, they would, there would be a lot of noise and racket back there, a lot of potty stops along the way. But what I most feared were those two questions they would ask me over and over and over again. Are we there yet? <laughs> How much longer? Well, let me tell you guys, I've got good news for you today. We're here. We're here. We're at the finish line. The trip we launched some 16 weeks ago to explore that great mystery called woman and then to look deeply into these two mirrors of work and at home, we're finished. We did it. You did it. And today, we're there. And it's been a great ride, hasn't it? We've had a good time together, haven't we? You know, it's, there's probably something else you ought to know, too. By, by completing the journey, by sticking with me this entire time, uh, you and I both have earned some names for ourselves. Uh, as of today, I get to call you finisher. <laughs> I get to call you finisher. To be honest, I'm amazed that so many of you have gone the distance with me because it hadn't been an easy journey. I mean, let's just think back for a moment. It hadn't been an easy commitment for any guy 16 weeks. You went 16 weeks. And you went 16 weeks when, for some of you, there were those uh, long drives that you have to take, dark early mornings. You've been given multiple projects to do. You've had um, charges where you've had to go out and exhibit courage by engaging your wife in a much deeper level of conversation and engagement. Maybe the same even with some of your kids. When it got cold, it would have been easy to sleep in and not be here. But you're here. And you finished. You refused to quit. You proved to a lot of guys in the room and to me that you're made of sterner stuff than some of the others. And you're a finisher. And I want to congratulate you on that. If you're a finisher, hopefully here's what I am. I'm a promise keeper. Perhaps you remembered at the beginning of men's fraternity, I gave you five promises at the starting line that I said that by the finish line, I will have accomplished uh, with you in our journey together. And what I thought we would do in this final session is just see how I did. 
And you can measure that and we can interact because I like accountability at the end. So on your outline are four of the five promises that I gave to you in session one. We'll deal with the fifth promise uh, in a few moments. But here's the first promise I made to you. I said, if you go all 16 weeks, you will gain new insights and understanding about yourself, your wife or girlfriend, your children, and your work. That was a promise. If you remember, I told you guys that all men need continuing ed. And that's because we get down on what we're not up on. And when we get confused, when men get confused, we don't play the game of life very well. And so what we've been trying to do is open our eyes and load ourselves up over the course of the 16 weeks with some new insights and some new understanding, understandings and some new perspectives on how all this stuff works when I look into that mirror called work and ask myself, how am I doing? And when I look in that mirror called home and say, how am I doing? I want a good response. But to get a good response, I need continuing ed. So let's just review for a moment some of the insights that we gained over these 16 weeks. We, we looked at the how different a woman is from a man, and we gained some insight on the, the differing needs that a woman has as opposed to a man. She's not like us. She engages life different from us, and we have to learn how to speak that foreign language called woman. We talked about the differing personalities people have, and if you remember, we explored those four basic personality types. And you got a chance to actually go test yourself and your wife to find out what your differing personalities actually were. We talked about how a woman scores life. And some of you didn't like the fact that you just got one point yesterday. Remember? One point. We looked at the different love languages. We talked about how to resolve conflict what to do in the heat of battle because you have the options of fleeing, you have the option of fighting, or you have a much more courageous option. And that's initiating dialogue in the midst of the battle. We discussed how you do that. We talked a lot about sex. Remember before play as the feminine Viagra? We talked about how a woman engages sex differently than a man and how you can win there by learning how to get on her frequency, not just your own. We looked into how a man makes money work at home. I helped you face the facts. I helped you to think about a simple budget. I helped you to include your wife in it all because in understanding the money with her, you create a tremendous harmony at home. We defined the good life, didn't we? And where faith, fits into that good life. We explored the top 10 ingredients that make up a healthy family. We looked at the four classical parenting patterns. Remember that graph that we gave with the vertical axis called love and the horizontal axis called discipline and we grafted those parenting styles on there and we discovered that the dad who parents with a high degree of love and a high degree of discipline that we call the authoritative dad. He deposits in his son or daughter's life, not just IQ, but a tremendous EQ, an emotional quotient stability. 
that allows that son or daughter to succeed in life because those who succeed in life are not those who have the most intelligence. Those who succeed in life are those who are the most emotionally stable. We also learn the worst parenting pattern. And it's not the one that's low in love and low in discipline, which you would have thought. Remember, we found out it's the one who's high in discipline and low in love. The authoritarian parent. And if you remember just a couple of weeks ago when I gave you that story about Hugh Hefner, do you remember what kind of home he grew up in? He was high on discipline, but low on love. And so when he was that little kid, he grabbed onto that bunny blanket of his that he talked about. We laid out a lifetime game plan in light of that for raising sons and daughters, healthy sons and daughters. We offered seven basic motivations for your work. I gave you two big visions of how you go to your job and how you can think about your job. We talked about five work energizers that you could engage at the office. Five proven practices and two commitments that you could have to make a good name for yourself in the workplace. And then finally, last week, we concluded with talking about three ways of taking God to work. That's a lot of information and insight, isn't it? That's a lot of stuff to store in your fanny pack as you go out into life or load up in your capsule just before you get launched. And you've got to make all that work. But you know what? You can because we've allowed you to try to place it in a way with those, that sheet that you had to reduce it down to an action plan that will actually work for your life. But I think I've delivered on the insights and understanding. Here's the second promise. I promised that you would make new friendships here and deepen old ones through your small group. And I tell you, just watching you from week to week, I think I can safely say that I saw this promise fulfilled. In fact, I had one guy write me a note on his 10 key move sheet, the, this statement. He said, you know, you were absolutely right about what you promised in the first session about new friendships and finding them. Through men's fraternity, I have found a, a wonderful new friend here who has encouraged me greatly. And I hope that's been an experience for a lot of you men, or if you came as an already preformed small group, that those of you who knew each other beforehand, you've discovered a deeper language here. And that's what men desperately need to be noble. They need a deeper language to connect with, not just about sports and business and other things. They need a noble language that they can engage in that calls them up in life. And hopefully that's happened to you while you've been here. A third promise I made to you is this. You will receive a lifetime game plan for raising healthy sons and daughters. And we delivered on that in session nine when I went through that very specifically, that lifetime game plan. But here's what I want you to know here at this point. For those of you who, as we finish, are about to leave, if you have sons in particular who are between the ages of eight and 18, I want to mention again that additional resource that can help you further develop the father-son relationship. If you've got four or five guys, because oftentimes when fraternity ends, you've got momentum, and there may be some of you who say, I'd like to keep meeting, and you know some dads that would like to get together, and maybe a good action point would be to get those dads together and go through this new Raising a Modern Day Night video series that I've produced. 
It's a six-week training series to help dads connect with each other so they, that they want to be together and help raise their sons together. But it's also a way of empowering your son in some strategic and life-giving ways over a lifetime. It's built a lot like men's fraternity in a way, except it's in a small group using video. There's simple projects for you and your son. There's that video instruction that I'll give along with Dennis Rainey, who's my host in that video series. There's some small group interactions. There's a workbook. And then there's that long-term strategy for interacting with your son from the day he was born to the day he leaves home. And the information there is on the screen of how you can get that information, a website, of RaisingAModernDayNight.com and also a phone number if you'd like to get involved in that. But that would be a good further step to go after you've launched out of here today. Here's a fourth promise. A fourth promise is you'll have the opportunity to craft 10 key moves for becoming more competent and satisfied with your life at work and at home once men's fraternity is over. And last week, what a joy it was to see all you guys come down and lay those key moves here on the stage. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of you all turned those in, and I've had the uh, privilege of going through a number of them in this last week once they were turned in. But here's, here's what I want you to know, because you need some feedback. What you turned into me was outstanding, at least the ones I've been through, and I've been through quite a few of those. You guys did more than just a good job. Your moves were well-stated. They were precise. Some of them were very specific and, and dated. They were on target. And here's what I felt as I kind of thumbed through those sheets. I thought, you know, if the guys in this room only did half of what's on their sheet, they're going to win big. Not just at home or in the workplace, but in life overall. You will make a name for yourself if you do the things that are on those sheets. A good name. And you'll not only enrich your life, but what you're going to do is you're going to enrich the lives of those people around you, specifically your family, your wife and your kids. Because what you did was outstanding. In fact, I was just thinking, I've been doing men's fraternity for 15 years. And those were some of the best manhood plans that I've ever received. So I want to congratulate you, congratulate you guys on a job well done. In fact, I want to take you through a little experience of those plans. I want you to imagine that we're a small group and we've had our plans and men's fraternity's over and we're sharing our plans at a restaurant together. And we've talked about what we're going to do and how we're going to do it and those kind of things. And we get up and we leave that breakfast. The problem is, is that the plans that we had shared, we had put them in a group and they're still left there on the breakfast table in the restaurant. And a group of women come in. And they're seated at the table that we just left and they see all those plans laying out there. And so they pick them up and they begin to read through those plans. I want you to feel what they would be reading because here are some of the actual things that you wrote. One guy wrote, I will commit to get testing for my kids' abilities and personalities after high school to better help my children choose a course of study for college and a career later on. Another guy wrote, I will over-deliver at work. I hear good all the time at work, but after going through this series, I will now concentrate in my work to be recognized no longer as good, but highly accomplished. Another guy wrote, I've learned it's never too late to be a good dad. 
I will adhere to the dad's game plan and set a proactive biblical example with my life for my daughters now to follow. One guy wrote, I've scheduled memory makers for my kids now, and I will budget and book these events each year as I review the dad's game plan. Another wrote, I will face, not flee, the conflicts I have with my wife. I have a tendency to run and hide, and the conflicts never get resolved. It's time to grow up, be a man, and start dialoguing. Another guy wrote, I will organize my financial affairs as a, quote, love gift to my wife should something happen to me. She will feel much more secure, which is one of her top feminine needs, knowing everything in our financial house is in order. Another guy wrote, I plan to start embracing my wife's personality and appreciating it. By taking the personality test, my wife, uh, my wife allowed me a close look into her heart and her spirit. I plan to now let her be who she is and love her for who she is rather than try to change her. Wow. That's powerful. Another guy wrote, I will strive to be an all-star at home. Listen to my wife. Listen to my kids. What are they telling me? Usually it's right in front of me if I just listen. Another guy wrote, I will schedule a father-son adventure week with Christ in the Tetons adventure ministry this year for my son. Another wrote, session five helped me to realize more the sexual needs and thinking of my wife. And as a result, I will change my actions towards her in intimacy. Another wrote, I will help my coworkers understand their unique personality and how to interact with one another. I'm an employer. I have a number of employees, and I want them to understand each other's differences on the job. Another wrote, I will take the time each day to seek God and His will for my life through a daily reading of the Bible. Now, you're that group of women, and you've just read some of those plans what would you think about the men that just left? You'd think exactly what I thought. These are men. These are real men. These are guys who are going somewhere. These are guys who are launching a lifetime winning streak. That's what I thought. So congratulations, men, on your key moves. Now, if you'll allow me, I'd like to offer you some other things. Three additional key moves to help you before we part. Here's what they are. First, let me suggest this. I think it would be really helpful if you would memorize three scriptures that summarize our year together. You know, we haven't said anything at all, really. We've looked into the scripture, but I've, I've not said anything to you at all about memorizing scripture. But I want you to know something especially for you guys who are early in your spiritual journey with God, it's amazingly helpful. Scripture is called the sword of the Holy Spirit. I like that. That's, a great, image, that's great imagery, especially for men. Because it means this. It means in the battles of everyday life, what the Holy Spirit, this God you can't see but who lives in you, what he will do, he'll pull out that sword, those scriptures that you've memorized, and he'll begin to wield them in your life when the heat is on. He'll bring things up. 
just at the right moment, in the crucial moment, in the crucible of life, He'll bring a word from God to you, personalized to you through the Holy Spirit to keep you on track when you need to be on track or clear when you're cloudy and need to get refocused and to help you find your way when you're lost. Maybe you're needing some fresh perspective about your work. No one's around to tell you anything, but you just, you just need some fresh perspective. Job's not going well that day. Or maybe you've been overlooking your wife or your kids and you can't see it. They can see it, but you can't. Or maybe you're needing help taking that first step to resolving conflict and you're stuck. Maybe you've started feeling bitter towards your wife and you're letting it fester. Or maybe you need some help because you're tempted to go into greater debt because you want something so bad, but you know it's not the right thing to do. I call that the heat of battle. That's everyday life. And usually in the midst of that, the guy who's kind of armed himself with some key scriptures, the Holy Spirit's real faithful to pull out that sword and start wielding it in your life through all the fog and helping you see what you need to do right at the right moment to keep you in that moment a real man. That's why it's good to memorize Scripture. You know, the first psalm in the Psalter commends the guy who meditates on the Word of God and takes it into his own life and memorizes it. And then it makes a promise to that man. I want you to look at the screen. Here's the promise. It says, He will be like a tree. Firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit, its appropriate fruit in its season. But this is going to be a different kind of tree because this tree's leaf never withers. And then the last line, and in whatever he does, whether it's at work, or with his kids, or with his wife, or in his personal life, or with his girlfriend, in whatever he does, he prospers. That's the promise. We could say this, he wins in life. He doesn't hit a dead end. He doesn't have the loss column keep piling up. He starts winning over and over again because he's letting these things help direct his life and he's proving them out in his life. So with that said, let me give you three scriptures that I believe summarize our year. If you, want, if you just want to take the challenge and add this to your key moves, here are three scriptures I think uh, summarize our year that the Holy Spirit can use to keep teaching you men's fraternity even after it's over. For instance, on the section on women, here's the verse I would memorize. I did memorize. 1 Peter 3, 7, remember it? Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Remember, we hammered on that. In an understanding way. In other words, don't do it the way you think you ought to do it. You'll always think wrong. And don't react to them. No, the Scripture is encouraging you. Learn, learn, learn what wins with your woman. And then practice that. You'll be the greatest romantic that ever lived if you'll just learn that basic principle. An understanding way. She's a woman. She's different from you. She doesn't think like you. She doesn't respond like you. You've got to learn her foreign language. And on top of that, you need to grant her honor as a fellow heir. 
Not as inferior in any way. She's equal to you in every way. She needs to feel that in the finances, in the decision making, and all that goes on because she's a fellow heir and equal in the grace of life. You memorize that and God will bring it up in the appropriate moments. Get you back on track. For the section on children, I would memorize this verse, Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child. Train up a child. It doesn't say hang around a child. It doesn't say go to the ball games of the child. Those are all good things. No, it's talking about strategic investments in a child that call that child up. Train up. Call them up to a higher plane of life which means you've got to know what to do to strategically invest in them. Train up a child according to the way he should go. Literally in Hebrew it says, according to their bent. Because each child is different. Each child is unique. Each child has its own, his or her own gifts and personality. And you've got to learn what each child is like in your home and then train them up according to that design. And if you do that, when he or she is old, They'll live up, and they won't depart from it. It's a good verse to remember from time to time when you've just been passive in your home for a month or two, and the Holy Spirit starts knocking and saying, Have you been training up, Sally? It's good for real men. Then the last section on work, I would memorize Colossians 3, 23 and 24, which says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily. Don't go and just put in time today. Get after it. Be the best. Do it well. Make a name for yourself. Why? Because you're not just working for men. You're there working for the boss, God. Knowing that from the Lord, if you do that, you'll receive the reward of the inheritance. There'll be a blessing in all that because it's the Lord Christ whom you serve. So guys, if you want a good way to remember this year and keep feeling its effect long after it's over, I'd memorize those three scriptures for your life. Secondly, decide which of the key moves that's on your sheet you should implement first and then start this week. You can't do everything on that sheet. When I looked at that sheet, some of it was overwhelming, some of what you were writing down. So when you look at those 10 Here's the thing you need to do. This is what would be a smart move. Can't eat it all in one bite. Say, what's the most important thing I need to do now? And then start this week doing that now. Third, partner with another man or men for accountability in implementing your key moves. You need to write down on your 10 key move sheet, who's that going to be? Because let me tell you guys, no man climbs the mountain of manhood alone. You've got to have another guy remind you. You're, doing, you're working your sheet. You're, you're getting those things done we talked about in our small group. Every man needs another man cheering for his efforts. And listen, and most of all, admiring his successes. So you take that trip, that getaway with your son or daughter into the Teton Mountains. And when you come back, you need some guy saying, man, I'm proud of you for doing that. Or when you did that romantic getaway at Valentine's, another guy to say, wow, that was great what you did. Somebody to cheer for you. Because life is a team sport. And real men understand that. 
Which brings me to the fifth promise I made to you back in session one. Remember that? Here's the fifth promise I made to you, which I think is the key to everything in men's fraternity. I said you will understand life's paradox principle and have opportunities to practice it. Remember the paradox principle? Here it is in a phrase. It's a hard phrase. Die to live. It sounds absurd, but it really is true. I told you it was life's greatest success principle. I said that it was the key to winning at work and at home and in everything else in life. In fact, guys, I find it amazing that all of life's best experiences and all of manhood, of what manhood is, and all of what it means to live well can be summed up in the same way. I mean, if I only had one thing to say to you, if I could only picture it one way for you, here's how I would picture it. I would picture it in this, a cross, which is the ultimate paradox, isn't it? I mean, here is hist one of history's greatest uh, images of death. And yet we who look at it in a different way see it as one of history's greatest symbols of life. Because on it and from it, the way of new life was offered to all humanity. Jesus said it this way in Luke 9. He said that every time a man dies on his own cross... Every time a man dies on his own cross, he becomes a better man. Did you know it said that in the Bible? Jesus said every time a man dies on his own cross, he lives better. And he helps other people live better. Every time he dies on his own cross. And you go, what a paradox that is. The cross die to live. But you know, I can't think of a better way. We started with men's fraternity. I can't think of a better way to end men's fraternity than just to put that cross up on the screen and tell you what it means again, just so we can see it. So here's what the cross means. I want to put it up there and see that there are four stations. Remember we talked about the four stations of the cross? And I want you guys to see this in your mind and even be able to recall it from memory. Because every time you engage anything in life, your home, your work, your personal life, that cross is there to give you life. If you'll just follow its example. Here are the four stations. Remember? Awareness, vision, strategy, and execution. Those were the four stations. And each of those four stations ask questions and give answers. And I just want to go back around it so we can review it as we finish. So let's start with the first station, the station of awareness. Remember the question it asked? It asked this question about life. As you engage any area of life, it asked this basic question. Do I get it? Do I get it? I'm a carpenter today. And I'm going to go and I, I've got a skill. I know how to build this house. But around that, I'm interacting with people and those kind of things. Do I really understand? Am I really aware of what's going on? Or maybe I'm a, I'm a new dad. I just, I just had a son last week. And I'm holding that son. Do I get it? 
as I hold that son? Do I know what I'm really doing here? Maybe I've been married just two weeks. Do I really know what I'm doing? Do I get it in that moment? You know what the wrong but most popular answer is to that question? Yeah, pretty much. I get it. Oh, you're going to get it all right. (laughs) I counsel guys like you all the time. You're going to get heartache. You're going to get headaches. You're going to get pain. And you're going to hit a lot of dead ends because here's the truth when you ask the question, do I get it? Here's the real answer in life. Not really. Not really. I mean, we laugh when we see the guy that's been married for two weeks and we're over there, a bunch of us who've been married a lot longer going, boy, is he in for a trip, you know? Because he's, he's over there, vigorous, virile, a man. He's married. He's feeling good about himself. And he thinks he knows what to do. And here are us. We've been married 20, 25 years, and we're kind of laughing at him. But life is laughing at us even at that moment. Because though we've been married 20 years and maybe we've had some experience and we're feeling good about ourselves, we're looking back where in front of us when our wife is about to become an empty nester with new needs and new things and our job is about to change and we're having new kind of a season of life that we know nothing about. When we turn around, life is laughing at us. Because even though we've been married 20 years, we don't get what's up ahead either. And if we don't understand that we've got things to learn, we're headed for heartache even as we laugh at the guy who we think doesn't know what to do. That's why Jesus said, every day, he said, deny yourself. What was he talking about? Deny yourself of thinking that you know what to do. Because you don't. You try to act naturally, you're in for trouble. What you've got to discover is what's unnatural. You need a new vision, a new perspective for life. But where do you go to get that? That leads us to the second station, vision, which asks the question, can I see it? Can I see what to do? And the truth is this, not without humility. Did you know there's two ways to see? When I watch because I'm an observer of life. When I watch life, here's what I've learned. There are two ways that guys get vision. The first way is through shock. That's how you get vision. It's when you walk into your boss and he says, Pete, you're fired. I'm fired? Why? Because didn't you know, Pete, you hadn't been doing this. You hadn't been meeting deadlines. You hadn't been getting the job done. You hadn't been meeting the goals we've set. And you're going... What? I didn't know that. Everybody knew that. But Pete, you're fired. And all of a sudden, Pete is open for the first time to vision. It's what I see in my office regularly when the guy comes in and he says to me, my wife told me last night she doesn't love me anymore. Man, for the first time, his eyes are wide open to vision. It's when the police calls and tells you that your son just got picked up downtown. Your parenting all of a sudden has an openness to new vision. 
It's when friends say to you, they pull you alongside, as maybe some even did to one of you this week, and say, John, can't you see what you're doing to yourself? It shocks you, because you can't. But through shock, you're now open to it. That's one way to see. Jesus said there was another way to see. It's called through humility. Because pride blinds. That's why he said, take up your cross. You know, literally, that just meant go get crucified. But in the first century, take up your cross became a metaphor. You know, most people were forced to take up their cross. It was forced submission, shock. But the verse in Luke 9 doesn't tell you you've got to be forced to. It asks you to voluntarily take up your cross. Why? Because you're in a posture of submission. You're open. You're under authority. You're open to new ideas. And that's how you get vision, which leads us to the third stage of the cross, strategy. And the question there is, do I know what to do? And the truth is, not without learning. Not without learning. And that's why Jesus said in that Luke 9 passage, follow me. Now that I'm open to something, now that I've, I've kind of said I need help, I know I'm not aware, I don't get it, Jesus said, follow me and I'm going to help you get it. John 10.10, 10, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is going to lead you somewhere. But guys, look at me for just a second. All of life will ask you a question over and over again. And your life ultimately will prove out whether you believe it or not. And that is, do you believe that Jesus Christ has a better life for you? Everything you do proves whether you believe that or not. Because if you do, you'll follow. And if you follow, here's how the path goes. The path has an ultimate destination and some short-term locations. The ultimate destination of the path that Jesus is going to lead you on is to a better life. That's why he said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. It'll be better, much better. Better in your marriage, better at work, better in your personal life. You can go on and on. It'll be better. But the first station in that path to get to better is always a cross. It's always death. Execution, which brings us to the last phase. Will I get it done? Will I love my wife in an understanding way? Will I raise my kids wisely? Will I do my job with passion? And the truth is, if you can handle the truth, <laughs> is not without dying some to self. Not without dying. Because the first step in life is always the first step towards death. And guys, don't you feel you're dying when after you've had an argument with your wife and you said some really unwise, unhealthy things and you know you need to go ask for forgiveness? Don't you feel like you're dying when you walk down the hall to say, I'm sorry? Doesn't it feel like there's a cross on your back and you're going to get nailed? How about, how about after you've run up some excessive debt and you just got the bonus from your company. And you're sitting there at the, the kitchen table to pay bills and you open up your checkbook. And you know you need to pay down that excessive debt. But there's something that you want to buy. In that moment, do you feel like you're dying? 
when you start writing it to the bank to pay off that debt? Doesn't that feel like death? Boy, it does to me. Or how about working in some getaway with your wife to help stoke the romance in your marriage when your schedule has been driving you incessantly for months? Don't you feel like when you're calling up the hotel in that city to make those reservations, you're thinking, man, I don't have time for this. Don't you feel like you're dying? That's the way life always works. But you know what's on the other side of death? <laughs> the abundant life. And that's, that's the wisdom of the cross. And guys, if you get this, you get the paradox. You get life's paradox. And you'll succeed in everything you do. That's why this is so important. Well, men, here is my wish for you at the end. I want you to imagine right behind me there's a giant cross and its arms are extending into these two areas that are most important for a man. I mean, for a man to feel good about his life, he's got to win at work and at home. Not work or home, not home or work. A man's got to win in both. But what brings these worlds together and brings success is a cross in the middle that extends its arms into those two worlds that are most important for a man. And you know what my wish for you is? My wish for you is, is that cross would extend its arms into your two worlds and unleash the power of paradox. That's my final wish. So much so that in the weeks and the months ahead, when you go to these mirrors as you inevitably will, and you ask the question that we've asked all through this series, when you go to those mirrors and you go, mirror, mirror on the wall, am I doing any good at all? Those mirrors will smile back at you. And they will say to you, Frank, Doug, Wilson, you're winning. You're better than ever. Man, I want to thank you for a great, great year. God bless you in the launch of your life. Thank you for listening to this week's message. It really helps us when you rate and review this podcast. If you found today's teaching helpful, take time to do that today. This podcast was produced by the team at Sound of a Rose. Visit soundofarose.com for any of your podcasting needs.